Geek Nerdery. Player one, press start to play. Welcome to episode number 18 of Graveyard Duck Podcast. As always, my name is Scott. And I'm Wes. Uh, and this week we've decided we're going to take a, another listener request. Um, this one doing a game that I don't think either one of us is all that familiar with, but you know, that's some of the joy of the show is doing, you know, getting get to experience some of the retro goodness that, you know, kind of passed us by. But um, talking about Konami's Bucky O'Hare for the NES, uh, released let's see japan and north america both january of 92 europe had to wait a year they got it february 93 Hmm. um yeah but um yeah konami i would say classic uh it's pretty well pretty well known i think by a lot of gamers however you and i had neither really dabbled in this one too much i definitely have not played it until about two weeks ago so definitely definitely a new experience for me Oh, sure. Yeah. I, uh, I picked this up about three years ago, I think. Um, there was a guy locally in town here um, that advertised some rare games on Craigslist. And uh, it turns out it wasn't a, you know, a sex scheme or anything like that. It was, it was a legitimate deal. So um, I know, right? So I uh, picked up Bucky O'Hare and uh, Shatterhand and a couple, other, a couple other good rares. And I dabbled in a little bit, and um, is, sorry, is it just me or is like Shatterhand and Power Blade and like all of those like the exact same game? At least by the cup by the cover, I, like I get them all confused. A little bit, yeah, but they're all awesome. So Vice, guess, Vice Project Doom, I'd put in that category. I don't know. Isn't that more like uh, Codename Viper? I don't. Know. Yeah, I, I think I that's that. another one. I don't know. Um, but anyway, no, I. Um, I had heard of this game a few years ago because of, you know, it was starting to hit a lot of lists with, you know, hidden gems on the NES and stuff like that. And the price was starting to trend up pretty high. So I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll pick it up. And I was surprised to see that it was like sort of Konami's answer to Mega Man a little bit. Um, like I said, coming out in 92, this just kind of flew under my radar at the time. I wasn't really familiar with the cartoon very much at all. Um, so, you know, like I said, I didn't really discover this till a couple of years ago. Um, this is a uh, listener request from uh, Scott LaFerry, who says that uh, this was one of his favorite games. Um, his dad and him used to uh, watch the cartoon, which is cool. Um, something, again, I totally missed. But uh, Scott says that he beat it a long time ago in high school and 
you know, it was one of those games that the more he played it, the better he got at the patterns and kind of push forward and, and you know, kind of go from there. So um, we really wanted to give this a shot. So uh, here we are. Yeah, it's, you know, just so what little I know of this franchise or, you know, the character is basically zero. Um, the Like you said, it was a cartoon. It was also a comic book. Um, and, you know, surprisingly enough, they're in the, you know, I guess early nineties when this was kind of at, you know, it's cartoon height, at least mm-hmm. like for being somebody who liked cartoons, who liked adventure cartoons, who liked comics, like this was something that I just had zero knowledge of. Um, yeah, same here. But I think yeah. it's also because, you know, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were such a, a powerful, like, you know, uh, cross media enterprise at the time that i mean that was all anybody was really focused on at least you know when i got to thinking about it's like well yeah maybe i didn't really pay much attention to this because you know ninja turtles was basically everywhere well and it's funny too because i'm looking at the wikipedia page here and bucky o'hare debuted in 1978 1979 so yeah it's it's not anything new um but I, I think that there were a lot of people who considered him like the the ripoff of Ninja Turtles, which is obviously incorrect. Right. Um, I mean, it's it's similar, of course, obviously with right. You know the the heroes and the different powers and stuff, but and the cartoon didn't come out until it's saying ninety one, ninety two. Mm. Um, there's another Bucky O'Hare arc that looks like it was more in kind of the mid eighties, nineties. So it's like that's. That seems to be when he was most mm. popular, but yeah, there's a little blurb here about you know if you trust Wikipedia, you know that it was the late '70s when he was first created. Um, but yeah, it just completely flew under my radar. Even as a kid, I was never aware of this game, and I mean, I visited the video rental store once a week, and usually the more obscure a game looked, the more fun I thought it might be. And mm. I'm, I'm surprised that I never would have picked this up. You know, so it must just never have been available or around, yeah. um, which well, you know makes me, a, I was I was just say, say it makes a little bit of sense being like you know ninety two, like that's a little bit late for yeah NES. Yeah. That's what I was going to say because I was much more on the uh, the Super Nintendo hype train at this point, right? Uh, you know, I kind of left the NES behind. I still had it, but um, you know, looking back now, there's so many awesome games that I missed out on you know, after the Super NES came out. And, you know, from the collector standpoint, too, I look back on it, it's like, wow, what an idiot. Because, you know, a lot of those games I could have gotten so cheap, and now they're worth so much freaking money. Right. Um, you know, but hindsight's twenty twenty, I guess. But Yeah, you can never predict those sorts of things. But, right. it, you know, to, to find out that this was so late in the NES library, too, is is interesting because a lot of those games that I think of as being the really, really, like, kind of like tag along games at the end, like the Mega Man sixes or whatever, mm-hmm. um, tend to have a lot more, like, I'm, I'm going to say special effects, which I don't know if is quite the right word, but it's like they, they were definitely higher caliber than what you would normally see on the NES. Cause by that point they had figured out all of the tricks of what the console could do. Yeah. Um, and especially when you've got a big name company like Konami, I would expect this to have been, you know, kind of flashier than it is. So I'm mm. kind of surprised to hear that it's so late because I don't feel like this was that polished of a game. Um, I think it had certain effects that were cool and certain things going for it, but 
a lot of it kind of felt sloppy to me, especially now to hear that it's, you know, a 92 release, like that's kind of surprising. Sure. But I would argue on the other hand too, I mean, if you look at um, the amount of colors on screen and like the, the size of, of the characters, like, especially like Bucky, I mean, there's, there's quite a bit of detail going on here for, um, like you said, for a late NES release, but especially for even a Konami game. I mean, you know, typically, I guess we tend to think of like Castlevania and some of the earlier like Contra sort of, they had like that faceless sort of character kind of look to them and a little bit smaller detail and graphics. But this one, I think I was, as I was playing it, I was kind of drawing comparisons to a lot of like PC Engine Turbo Graphics games because they kind of, early ones kind of had the same similar art style. Yeah, I can say that. This is this is a, a way to say, you know, the NES still had some tricks up its sleeve. Like you say, there's still some stuff it could do. Yeah, and it, it definitely had a couple of, like, gimmicky levels. Um, there's one I can think about. It's on the Yellow Planet where there's, like, asteroids flying by, and you've got to jump on them and kind of ride them mm-hmm. uh, you know, across the side-scroller level, but in a very weird conveyor belt type way. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, and, anyway, before we get to that, I should say let's talk just a little bit about kind of the plot and what the the mechanics of the game are Mm. um because i think this would appeal to a lot of people uh, especially (laughs) if you haven't played it yeah Um, it's kind of credited as being a not i'm not going to say rip off that sounds you know a little derogatory but like uh inspired very heavily by mega man um and and i think that's fair Mm. um the the general story is that bucky is this captain of a space fleet spaceship something and basically all of his other crew members have been captured by the evil toad army. Um, and at the start of the game, you've got a option of four different planets that you can go to. And basically at each one, one of your crew members is held prisoner there. So kind of like Mega Man style, you get to pick your stage and at the end you'll get to d- defeat a boss. And instead of unlocking their power, you unlock one of your, teammates Mm -hmm. who then from that point forward you can hit select during a stage to switch between all of the different characters you've unlocked and each one has a different gun and also a slightly different power-up weapon um like bucky's when you hold down the attack button it charges up a thing that lets him jump really high uh there's a little robot named blinky who his gun has very short range, but it'll break like ice blocks and stone blocks, but he and, and it's kind of a lob shot. So you can yeah. kind of shoot lower and stuff like that. Yeah. He's one of the only characters that can shoot things below you. Mm-hmm. Um, and his charge like lets you fly for a little short distance. Um, one of the characters can climb on walls. And so it's like, there's just different powers and you, know, you got to kind of switch around kind of like, you know, Mega Man and his different weapons mm-hmm. or like uh Dracula's curse, you know, switching between like, Trevor and Alicard or whatever. Yeah, that was uh, um, what sort of um, I noticed in the beginning is it was very much like Castlevania three in that regard. Right, right. And so yeah, you get the four different stages. You can pick which order you want to go to them in. Although I feel like it railroads you a little bit uh, because right out of the gate I was like, oh, well, I'll just pick the blue planet, which is the ice world. Which, god damn it, why does every game have the ice <laughs> stage? Um, but you you can't progress in it because you need the robot to break the ice so right. like you actually can't play that stage so i'm surprised you went blue first because green is the the one in the upper left which is the one i always started with 
Yeah, see, that's why I didn't do that because I figured like, oh, that's the obvious choice. Let's go somewhere else. Okay. Um, but in this case, it was the obvious choice, and right. And so expectations I, were subverted. Okay. I I don't know if the order that I ended up going in is the only possible order, or if it's just that one worked. But yeah, you definitely can't do blue until after you've done green. Right. But beyond that, I don't know if it really matters. But um, yeah, you you kind of go through. You get your different heroes. There's some that I think are better than others. But uh, then once you beat all four planets, um, it unlocks the fifth world, which is kind of the the uh, Toad Army's spaceship. And I think there's like basically two Riley levels, so to speak. Yeah, essentially, right. Yeah. And there's there's I think two or three sections of it. I guess three total um, that you kind of have to work your way through. And you know, once it got to that point, it really switched from being a Mega Man game, and it reminded me a lot more of Ninja Turtles, mm-hmm. um, the original yeah. NES game. Yeah. Because it was a lot more of a, there's just these, you know, obnoxious traps and very, very uh, specific spots you've got to get through where your timing is critical. One slip and it's an automatic death. Like it was, it very much reminded me of a couple of those parts of Ninja Turtles when we talked about that, you know, several episodes ago. But yeah, um, I think once you get to that point, there's um, a much greater emphasis on using each of the characters in certain spots. Yes. Like I find myself using Jenny in a lot of spots because if you hold down the button, um, you have that crystal ball that you can sort of aim a little bit. Mm-hmm. So there's um, especially the part where the little, um, I don't know, I call them brain slugs, but I guess the, yep. little, the brain slugs that attach to you and, um, you know, you want to take those out first with the uh, uh, the crystal ball. And then Although certain... I, I loved that when those got on you, like the only way to kill them is to jump on spikes and that knocked them off. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was pretty neat. Um, and then there's a lot of spots where you know you'd have to use Blinky to kind of fly over some of the, um, I, I guess it's like the pipes, the the busted pipes or whatever. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, just uh, lots of lots of neat stuff at that point. I think that's where the game really starts to open up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's another one too that we've talked about before, and I've kind of criticized you know the the replay value of these types of games, although I do think there's merit to them. Um, the kind of game where it almost feels like just a quarter quarter muncher. Mm. Um, you get unlimited continues in the game and basically dying has zero consequence other than it resets your score. Mm-hmm. Um, like each planet is broken up into little like sections. I think there's like 10 acts per right. planet or so, something like that. It might vary Absolutely. planet to planet. Yeah. Um, and like, as you're going along, you get three lives, but if you die, it just sends you back to the beginning of that act, which an act is no longer than, you know, one side scroller, you know, section. Mm -hmm. So it it makes it, it, the game is very, very difficult. Like there's a a very high curve of, you know, just insane difficulty, but having those unlimited one ups everywhere too, though. There are, yes, there's a lot of one ups. You can get your power really high. You can even get your life bar really high. Um, But yeah, you're going to die a lot, Mm -hmm. but, other than losing all your points, there's no consequence to it. So yeah. if you've got a couple hours to sit and just, you know, have the patience to plow through it, I, I think you can do it up until the end, which I, I've got some arguments as to whether or not the final boss is really all that <laughs> fair. But um, as far as just getting through the game or getting up to that point, it's really just an exercise of patience. Yeah. Um, but that's also the real challenge of this game too. Right. Uh, you know, like you said, you know, yeah, there's unlimited continues and 
um, a near infinite amount of lives. But the real challenge is getting through these tight spots. And there are a ton of tight spots. Yeah, uh, and, I, and I liked that once you got to the, um, the, the, the Toad ship, um, it really did become like a puzzle game. Mm-hmm. Like you, you had to, like you said, use all of the different characters to kind of figure out how to get through this. Right. And it was, it wasn't just an exercise of patience. Like you had to actually kind of use your brain to figure out there's only one way through this. How do I do it? Mm-hmm. Um, and it was very satisfying when you finally got it. Yeah. Um, up yeah, until that, that part with the, the disappearing blocks, Mega Man style. Yep. Uh, I must've done, I probably went through about 20 lives and in just in that section alone. Yeah, that was the timing and the pattern of it. That was a big one. Um, there's several stages which definitely reminded me of like the turtle stage or like Quick Man in Mega Man Two. Oh God, yes. Where like the, the walls coming down. Yeah, the walls. Well, the lava, but then there's also one where the walls shift left and right, and there's spikes on it, and you've oh, got. Yeah. Like, you know what I called that ice climbers from hell. <laughs> that's what that section reminded me of. I'm like, God damn it, this is just like ice climbers, but it's ice climbers from hell because there's spikes and everything's going really fast. Yep. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- those sections were really satisfying when you finally completed them. Uh, or, I th- let's talk I, about the, uh, the the snakes in the uh, on the blue planet that triggered uh, the battle toads PTSD. The, the damn battle toads stages. Yep, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Or that, um, I call them the mine carts, but I guess it's more like the, those little. The hover platforms when the stage is moving really, really fast. Yep. What was that on the yellow stage? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, and then there's like the spikes, and you're, du- yeah, the the turbo tunnel's got nothing on that. No, it's it's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and, and it's like, and those kind of stages I thought were, but like, like I, I did the yellow stage last, mm, and yeah. by the time I got there, I was kind of like, okay, I've accepted what this game is, and I'm kind of having fun with it. Mm-hmm. But prior to that, like when I was doing the Ice Planet, it's like, do you remember how much I bitched during the Adventure Island episode? Oh yeah, <laughs> like that's what the Ice Planet was, and I f- I felt that same level of frustration. I got there the very first day that I started playing it. You know, I got mm-hmm. through the green planet. That wasn't so hard. Got to the blue planet. I died like 50 goddamn times, um, <laughs> you know, sl- slipping on ice, you know, mi- missing a jump. But every time, all it did was put me back to the beginning of the screen and I just get to try again. So it's like this ad nauseum trying over and over mm-hmm. and over again, just like I did with freaking Adventure Island. And I finally was just like, you know, I don't care what listener requested this. I don't want to play this crap (laughs) (laughs) and put it down for, you know, I was the exact opposite. I wasn't, I wasn't frustrated by this game. I, every time I died, I just laughed. Like, like I can't believe that this game is a sadistic. Yeah. And that's part of the fun of it. Even, even the green planet, the first level that I started on when you um, are jumping through the trees. And I think it was like one of the first, uh, like, little i don't know branches or leaves that you jump on and you just jump on it and if you stand for like a second it just falls and kills you yes and i was like okay i gotta laugh at that and then yeah. i made it past that part and you're on the little um the rafts that are going on the water and i missed a jump and the water looks like it's barely up to your ankles but you die in it i couldn't help but laugh you know like every time something showed up it was like yeah okay this this game is just out to just screw me over and it's i love it I don't know why. I mean, I I love a challenge, but maybe I'm just a masochist like that. I couldn't help but laugh. Well, and thank God they give you the unlimited continues, because otherwise this would just be ridiculous. But right. because because you have the 
ability to keep going, it does make it worthwhile. And Mm -hmm. once I was able to get past the blue planet, you know, like I had to put it down for about a week and (laughs) played some Skyrim or something else came back and I was like, all right, I'll I'll give this another shot. And once I finished that planet, then it's like, all right, now I'm kind of having fun because I, I figured this out. I know what I'm getting into. And, and also like, kind of like a Mega Man game, once you start unlocking some more things, it becomes a little bit more fun. Um, your life bar, your power bar get a little bit higher. And, you know, once you unlock a couple characters that are, you know, a little bit more useful, you, you start to have a little bit more enjoyment with it. Um, and then, yeah, by the time you get to the end, I think you're, you're kind of sucked in and I'm, you know, I think I even texted you and I was like, all right, I've, I've rounded mm-hmm. a corner here. I'm not no longer hating on this game. I think I'm going to recommend it now. Yeah, that was your exact words. You're like, okay, I don't, I no longer hate this game, <laughs> but um, well, they must be feeling better about it. Uh-huh. And so, yeah, I did end up playing through the whole thing. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I use safe state to beat the last guy because I just, you son of a bitch. I don't know how you could do it. Otherwise. I mean, practice. It, yeah. And if you had the, you know, the, the, unlimited patience to do it or the unlimited time to do it i know that it's possible but it's one of those situations where you've got you know it's basically a four hit death rule you know thereabouts and they cut off half the screen because the lava is coming from one side so you only get half the screen to maneuver in and it just requires the absolute perfect timing to dodge his bullets to dodge him and to still hit him Mm -hmm. 50 times or whatever it takes i mean it's I'm sure there are people who have done it and it's one of those things that this would be the kind of game that if I had it as a kid, like I'd still be playing this every night until I finally did it. But mm-hmm. as a, as, as an adult playing this, you know, basically just as a podcast episode, I was just like, I just, I can't, <laughs> I don't have it in me. I see. I'm the exact opposite because um, the more that I played this game and I got really good at it, um, you know, I guess being sort of the, the older gamers that we are, um, I just felt like an incredible feeling of satisfaction that I was able to get through most of this game. Um, you know, because there's a lot of us that probably don't play a lot of retro games, you know, would come to this and go, holy crap, this is impossible. But I mean, this is, I, I would consider Bucky O'Hare to be sort of one of the, the true tests of, of retro gaming skill. Oh, I would agree completely. So difficult, but at the same time, once you learn it, once you know how the game works and what is where and where to stand and everything, I mean, it just becomes um, almost a zen-like experience, which is great. But it takes a long time to get there because you could be doing really well against a boss and almost have him down to nothing, and then here comes one attack that just kills you instantly, regardless of of how much health you have. Right. Now, well, you just step on a spike just randomly and, and die or something. So. And luckily, I th- I think that this is the game. You know, for for as sloppy as I think some of the mechanics were, um, it is one that would lend itself to a fair memorization pattern mm-hmm. uh, because all of the bosses did have that. Like they had a specific pattern, pattern recognition and memorization. Right. And and it's not one of those games that kind of cheats, you know, and every now and then like it'll throw the pattern off and do something you weren't expecting. No, uh, um, it, it was pretty consistent. And I think mm-hmm. that the first time you get to a boss, yeah, they, they kick your ass, yeah. give it, you know, two or three more attempts. And it's like, okay, you, you kind of get into the groove, you figure it out and it's actually not that hard. And most of them, you can find that place to stand or that timing to basically avoid all damage. 
Um, it's just, do you have the patience to kind of get there? Um, so yeah, yeah I, I agree. If I had maybe another week to play this and didn't have to do the, the recording, e- even the last boss, I, I could have gotten that pattern. It's just, I was pressed for time and I'm just like, I just, I'm over it <laughs> at this point. But um, no, this is, this is one I definitely plan on revisiting quite a bit just to fire up every now and then. For yeah. I would like to try it again too, just to see if like a different time or a different pattern through the planets would like change things. Hmm. Um, because okay. I, I liked that each character kind of had their own little thing. And for the most part, I basically switched back and forth between Jenny and Blinky. Mm-hmm. Uh, I liked Jenny's attack. I think Blinky had the best mobility. Mm-hmm. Um, there were very, very rare chances that Bucky or Deadeye would be useful for their maneuver. Uh, and I don't think that I ever once used willy for anything really okay Uh, see i was the opposite i used bucky a lot because um he was one of the only characters that could shoot above his head which i found that to be and he could shoot below as well so if you jumped up and aimed down you could shoot right below oh no shit i never figured that out yep so i i used that quite a bit i didn't use jenny a lot until the last couple levels um willy once you get him uh charging up the beam does a shitload of damage so i found that really helpful on some of the bosses and blinky of course i used um, quite a bit, but Dead Eye Duck was the only one that I didn't really use a lot. Yeah, his gun is pretty useful because it's got that like three. Prong. It is, but it's such a short range. Yeah, I don't know. I would rather use Jenny's crystal ball attack instead of Dead Eye Duck's um, spread because it's just too short. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, this also makes me want to like go track down the cartoon and just see what that was all about because it they're all on YouTube. Seems like the kind of thing I would probably be into. Yeah, and you know that's that's kind of the other thing um, that I was going to mention with this too is um, I I really enjoyed discovering this game because uh, you know I went I found all, all thirteen episodes are on YouTube uh, so I watched a couple of them. Is that and, all it was? Was one season? What's that? Is that all it was? Was one season? Yes. Yeah, okay. I just read for uh, about thirteen episodes, but um, yeah, watching it it was like there and. For those of us that have been around a long time and played a lot of games and stuff, there's not a lot of new things to discover from, you know, the time period that, that we loved games and stuff. And I felt like this was like sort of, you know, sort of discovering something new from that time period and kind of going back, you know, while I'm watching the cartoon, kind of going back to that time and going, you know, I could see myself really being into this back then. Yeah. And uh, that was, that's part of the fun of the cartoon. I mean, it's very 90s. It's very much, you know, um, sort of Ninja Turtles-esque kind of thing. but gonna say does it have like a street sharks vibe uh you know i didn't really watch street sharks so i couldn't really <laughs> tell you on that but trying to think of the most obscure 90s cartoon i could think of i don't know but you know here's the weird thing as i was watching a couple episodes and then um you know playing the game i guess thinking to myself if this was more if it had been more successful i could have really gone for like a bucky o'hare star fox crossover because they seem like they would have been very similar yeah, and yeah. Within a year or two apart, but um, character-wise, it seems like you know Bucky O'Hare and his crew, and Fox McCloud and his crew, that could have been a pretty cool team up. You know, whether it be like a game or a show or something like that. And I thought, yeah, that would have been really cool had this been more successful. Yeah, I agree with you. So, um, I don't know. Yeah, Bucky always just reminded me of like all of those like knockoff turtle characters that you know, never really made it into the cartoon, but there was always the weird action figure, like, like Yosagi Yojimbo, like whatever the hell that guy was. Um, oh, he was. Yeah, but not much. Like, I don't know. There were just those weird ones that like, the, 
the action figure that your you know uncle got you and you're just like oh thanks like that's kind of cool. <laughs> it has a big lot sticker on it <laughs> yeah i know what you're talking about <laughs> i already have three baxter stockmans <laughs> uh-huh. yeah well this batman's purple and it's got green on him too <laughs> oh, yeah it still has clearance on it that's great yeah so it's just funny to me that to you know learn that bucky was kind of a big thing because it's I don't know, very surprising to me that that was not at all on my radar as, you know, if you knew me back in 92, like this would have been the kind of thing right up my alley. But mm. hell, if you know me today, this is the kind of thing that's right up my alley. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I do. Yep. No, um, no. And apparently, I guess the cartoon was on Sunday mornings, I want to say. Okay. And I could be wrong on that, but that could be another reason why it sort of flew under my radar because I wasn't, I didn't watch cartoons on Sunday mornings. So, um, yeah, yeah I don't so know. Did... Um, the other thing that, uh, that I discovered while I was playing this game was um, that some of the uh, developers that worked on this game, and I'm blanking on their names right now, but uh, they would go on to later form Treasure, which has done like Gunstar Heroes and a bunch of awesome games like that. I huh. uh, posted a link on Twitter and in the Facebook group that uh, My Life in Gaming did a quick um, episode on Bucky O'Hare, and they talk about sort of the connection between uh, Konami and Treasure at that point, which is really cool. So uh, for me, that was kind of an extra little bit of of cool trivia for this game. So I don't know. I thought it was neat. Yeah, it's kind of neat. Um, did you find any sort of regional differences or information Not really. there? Not that I could find. I mean, both versions that I played seem very similar. I couldn't really... And if there are any differences, I couldn't really spot them because they're probably... The only only thing I read about, which I think this is hilarious, uh, I've heard rumors that this existed, but I never have seen a game where it was actually there, was um, the Konami's anti-piracy protection. Have you ever Hmm. heard of this? No, I haven't. So it's a thing that a lot of Konami games had done, you know, according to the source that I found, it said since 1990. So I don't know if before that it wasn't really a thing, but basically like, it was an anti-copy protection system that Konami put into their games where it, it did this like system check on the cartridge when it was first loading up. Uh-huh. And if they could tell that like if certain strings of code had been tampered with because it was, you know, an emulation or something else, then basically it forced the game into a difficult mode. Um, nice. uh-huh. And so, and I, and what I was reading about in this game is where in the difficult mode, regardless of your health, a single hit would kill you. <laughs> um, I've heard of that before in some games, um, making them incredibly, incredibly difficult. Yeah. It's extra, uh, extra difficult in this one then. Yeah. So, and apparently like that was not in the U S or European versions, but the right. Japan Famicom version did have that check. So okay. if you're trying to cheat and steal the Famicom version of the game, um, it might be a little bit tougher for you. <laughs> I guess that makes sense because there there were a crapload of um, you know cloned Famicom cartridges you know coming out of like Hong Kong and China around the time. So yeah, I'm just imagining like one person that had the bootleg version be like, man, this game is incredibly tough, and probably spent like you know two years trying to master it with like you know being killed in one hit. I don't know. Yeah, well, and it's like, I mean, that's a whole conversation we could have sometime. And you know, hell, we're not running long tonight. Maybe it could be now. But like, I love like some of those early stories of like anti-piracy and copy protection, Mm. because, you know, it's not like, 
in today where you know your computer can run and determine like oh you had a registration key that's been used like so therefore we know that this computer game is not pirated like yeah. i it, it's interesting well, to system updates that that would brick your console now i mean that's a thing that just didn't exist then right yeah the system update is a big thing i mean i grew up in an era i mean i'm sure we all did where like the verification that they had to know that you bought the game legitimately was there'd be some sort of a thing like within the first 10 minutes of the game where they like to leave the first town they'd ask you what is word three on page six of paragraph two of the instruction book i was just gonna say from pc gaming back then like yeah page 10 word six paragraph two yeah you, know? you had you had to know that, and if you had lost your instruction book or borrowed mm-hmm. the game from a friend, like too bad you weren't playing this game. Um, or if you had the you know your uh, um, your PC game came with like the um, the gel decoder, and you had to look at the yep the garbled text or whatever. Yep. And there's actually speaking of that, there's actually a really funny bit in um, Thimbleweed Park if you haven't played it, uh, which is the LucasArts style adventure game. Um, but there's a part where one of the characters that you play as you pick up a, a red gel decoder and you carry it for like most of the game. It's like, well, this must be a joke item. There's nothing. And then to get into one of the um, last areas of the game, you actually have to look at like an old LucasArts style instruction manual with the red gel decoder. <laughs> so, yeah. And I mean, the, the, the whole cartridge piracy thing, like that's a funny thing that they installed in this game because when you think about it, this was in an era where, I mean, up until you know the last five years, I was never aware of cartridge piracy or people really ma- fake cartridge. Like, yeah, it just wasn't a thing that I was ever aware of as a kid okay. that there was a possibility I could go buy a used game from Electronic Boutique and it could be a a, a ripoff. Like, I mean, that that just wasn't anything that would even be considered. You know, I knew of companies like you know Tengen that was making you know, the non-licensed game, but... Right. I'd say that's a little different, but... And even that, I was much older before I realized, you know, why those cartridges looked different than all of my Nintendo ones. Um, I think back then it was easier to spot a bootleg, and now the counterfeits are are really good, so um, without actually opening up the cartridge and looking at the PCB, it's a lot different now, but, you know, back then it was like, uh, I mean, you could you could spot a fake a mile away, I guess, but it, they just weren't that common around here, at least mm-hmm. not that I know of. But I don't know. But um, oh, the other thing I was going to mention with um, Bucky O'Hare was um, the soundtrack was the uh, just the Konami that Konami sound, you know. Mm-hmm. And that was another thing, sort of, you know, really devoting time to this game and playing through it in the last couple of weeks. I I love the soundtrack to this game because again, it's it's like a discovering a you know, sort of a, a lost game from my childhood kind of thing. It's like, man, this music is great, especially like um, the first couple levels, like the Blue Planet, uh, the Green Planet, stuff like that. I mean, there's just, I don't know. There's a, It's got that that beat, you know, to the the backbeat there that's really good and uh, just really, really gets you hyped up when you're playing. I thought that was cool. Yeah, it is a good soundtrack. It's one that's worth, you know, spending a little bit more time for. And it's like, I, I guess that's, the double-edged sword of doing the games for this the show is that you've got you know ex- exposure to games that you wouldn't have played otherwise but at the same time you're kind of playing through them at such a quick rate that you're not truly exposing yourself or you know immersing yourself in quite the same way but yeah but i mean that's we're looking at it from from that perspective but there's people you know that have probably 
been playing this for quite a long time and kind of know it, you know, backwards and forwards too. So I'm hoping that they sort of, um, you know, take our enthusiasm from it and kind of, you know, really run with it too. But I, I'm just saying like, I, I really enjoyed kind of discovering that, that piece of it. Mm. Um, so I had to just inform you that I've discovered something that was exactly what you had predicted. Um, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page for the game, uh-huh. um, or actually for Bucky O'Hare in general. And there's a section where it's talking about Bucky O'Hare and other media. Uh-huh. And one of his other appearances is in something called death battle. There is a Fox versus Bucky 2013 Bucky O'Hare is one of the combatants and faces off against the protagonist of Nintendo Star Fox games, Fox McCloud. See, I knew it. He loses due to Fox's superior experience as Fox chokes him and shoots him in the face with the blaster. (laughs) Well, at least it's not slash fiction, I guess. (laughs) Bucky O'Hare also made an appearance in an episode of Robot Chicken, it looks like. Really? Oh, I'm going to have to find that. Hmm. Funny. So yeah, if you're if you got more Bucky that you want, there's action figures, there's comic books, there's DVDs, there's all sorts of stuff out there. But unfortunately, this was the only game that they ever made, um, at least well, for home home consoles. There was yeah, the arcade game, but which I didn't know about that either until um, doing some research on that. I um, I looked at a little bit at that. I was like, and that looks awesome. I mean, it's just like you know arcade Ninja Turtles and Simpsons and everything, where it's like you know, sort of uh, up to four player run and gun Konami beat em up arcade game. That looks awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I've never seen the, I, I, I haven't seen that cabinet anywhere. No, I can remember, but I don't think so. I'm trying to think if, if I've seen it at galloping ghost, but I don't think I have. Yeah. And I'm <laughs> hmm. at least modern. If any place had it, it would be there. But... Oh yeah, for sure. Well, that they'll have to get it. So yeah, the art, the artwork's pretty good in it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> very like super colorful and crisp looking and mm-hmm. uh, yeah it just looks awesome yeah, and again be... completely almost completely different game from the nes one right right yeah it it, it looks exactly like one of the you know x-men mm-hmm. i was right around that time so i could yep. see that being you know a big thing but it's just i don't know it's interesting that this sort of followed the same template as a lot of other successful shows like ninja turtles and stuff but it just didn't just didn't break in Right. You know, like the, it had the action figures, the comics, uh, the games, the show. I mean, it had all the ingredients, but it just wasn't. I don't know. It just didn't catch on. I don't know if it was the time slot of the of the show or what it was. Yeah. Just living in the shadow of too many other great things. Well, you know, and it's at the time that was trying to copy TMNT's success. So, I mean, I guess, you know, can't have too many things that are derivative of each other, I guess. Right. All right. Well, if any listeners know where uh, the Bucky O'Hare cabinet is, maybe Wes and I will make a road trip to go play it. Yeah. 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 I would love to. That would be awesome. So, all righty. Well, uh, I can't think of a whole lot else to say about this one. Um, I was trying to think of some tips and tricks, but um, I can't really come up with a whole lot that's not, you know, just derived from a lot of practice. Yeah. I, I mean, that's really what it is. It's just a matter of stick with it. Like everything's patterned. So mm-hmm. you'll, yeah. You'll get it eventually. And yeah, even um, the, the boss encounters. I mean, there's not really, I don't feel that there were any bosses up to where I played um, that you had to have a specific type of strategy for. But I think just as you learn, like you said, learn the patterns and um, figure out how they operate, then you can be successful. But yeah, I think that, you know, it, even though it's easy to overlook the one ups in games like this when you have unlimited continues it's still advantageous to get them here 
because mm -hmm. your your power and your life, at least sometimes when you have to continue, they they go down. Yeah. Um, so you know, picking those things up just so you don't don't always have to reset is worthwhile. But um, yeah, otherwise it's just a have patience, stick with it. It's very frustrating at first, especially when you have you know incredibly the, frustrating. Yes, when you only have the one character and your life bar is very low. But yeah, once you kind of once you figure out the mechanics and kind of the the sloppiness of how he jumps and where he can land mm -hmm. and where he can't land you figure it all out and it's, it's, it's pretty fun at that point. Um, yeah. Yeah. I would, I disagree with you a little bit on the sloppiness piece. I don't, I don't feel that it's sloppy. I feel like it's exactly what it intends to be, but at the same time, I think it, it demands a little bit more um, from the player as far as to know what the limitations are, I guess if that makes sense. Yeah, that's fair. So, alrighty. So anything else to add on this one or should we give some recommendations um, and wrap it up? You know, I was trying to, trying to decide if it's um as far as the recommendation piece because um it's not one that has really been re-released anywhere in the uh the original cart now is probably close to 100 bucks if not over that is it really yeah yeah it's gone up substantially in the last couple couple years so most of that's probably due to youtubers and and other um sort of you know diehard gamers that have kind of because this game has showed up on a lot of hidden gems lists. Right. And if you look true. at a lot of the games that are released post Super Nintendo, they are pretty expensive games now. I mean, you know, games like Bucky O'Hare, Metal Storm, um, I would say probably Shatterhand. It's not, even though it's not super expensive, Power Blade 2 for sure. Uh, games that, again, like we weren't kind of really paying attention to that at that point. So right. getting into them now would be, if, if you want the original cartridges, um, it's going to be. It's going to set you back a little bit. Well, and even the Famicom cartridge I'm looking at now, which usually those are a little bit cheaper, like you're mm. still over $50. So yeah. Yeah. I guess that's a little bit alternative if, if you want. And it's not, it's not a game that you really need uh, to know the, the story of. No. I mean, it's very, I would say it's very import friendly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's poorly translated anyway. So you're fine. Yeah. So, alrighty. So what would you say as a overall recommend from you? I would absolutely recommend this, but um, with the sort of, you know, keep in mind that it's a game that's designed to test your abilities as a, as a seasoned gamer, especially a retro gamer. So keep that in mind that it's going to be frustrating. Um, but you know, don't, don't give up on it. Just kind of laugh it off, take a break, come back to it and, uh, you'll get really, really good at it. And then those skills will transfer to other games. You'll find that, you know, you'll be just as good. So. Yeah, I would absolutely recommend it, but uh, just know that it's going to kick your ass. Yeah, um, I, I, I'd say it's, you know, I'm kind of in the middle. Um, it, it's worth playing, but it's not one that you need to rush out and find. Um, if you if you stumble across a copy or if it does show up on a virtual console somewhere, uh, you, know, you, you could definitely do worse. Um, I think that it's definitely not worth the $100 for a cartridge. And I think that, you know, it's it, it, if you like that kind of difficult retro game feel, uh, I mean, it'll satisfy, but I don't I don't feel like it has a whole lot more than that. Like, I don't know how much I'm ever going to really replay this. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you, you could you could take it or leave it. I would say it's a worthwhile playthrough. It's just not one that's terribly worth seeking out, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, well, if if you do pick it up and you don't care for it, I mean, 
it's in demand quite a bit. So you're not going to lose money on it if you decide to take the plunge and decide you don't like it. So uh, yeah, it, I think this game will hold its value for quite some time. Yeah. Okay, so that was another good listener request. Um, if any other listeners have some requests and want us to cover some of their favorite games, get nostalgic for them, how would they get a hold of us, Wes? Well, there's a few ways you can do that, of course. Uh, you can reach out to us on uh, Facebook. We've got a group out there, the Graveyard Duck Podcast. So lots of good discussions going on there. We're on Twitter at Duck Graveyard. You could also send us an email, graveyardduckpodcast at gmail.com. And, you know, let us know if there's a game that you'd like us to cover. Um, you know, let us know just if, you, if you're enjoying the show or if you're not enjoying the show. And if you are enjoying the show, uh, please consider leaving us a review as well on iTunes. That would greatly help us as well. Yep. Very helpful. So, alrighty. Uh, I think <laughs> I just started laughing because I was thinking about what we're doing next episode. Um, <laughs> so we're not going to spoil anything yet. Uh, it is not a listener request, but we've decided since, you know, we're coming upon the festive holiday season, let's try to come up with something Christmassy. And um, well, it was a little bit of a stretch, but we managed. Yeah. And as they uh, say in the clickbait sites, the results will surprise you. <laughs> Cause it's going to be really obscure. And I think, um, you know, maybe one or two people, somewhere in the world would probably get it but yeah for a lot of people i think it's going to be a really obscure choice but that's why i like doing the show i like picking obscure niche random things yeah so stay tuned in for two weeks when we'll uh bring a little bit of christmas joy to you and probably a whole lot of laughs (laughs) for sure all right well until then i'm scott i'm wes and just remember to buck up load up your master pistols and let's croak some toads game over